Father, we stand in awe of who you are this morning, God. Lord, that you would love us even, Father. Lord, we know what we're like. (laughs) We're unlovable a lot of times, and yet you love us, and you came, and because of your Son, you transformed us, and then you call us in response to live a life of worship to you, God. Lord, we want that to be our heart's cry. Lord, that with all that we are, from our hearts, God, we would worship you in every piece of our life. Father, you've been teaching us about that in Colossians, and God, I pray this morning you would teach us even more. So, Lord, fill us with your spirit, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Lord, help us to understand what you've called us to as believers in Jesus, God, and may we worship you with everything that we are. So, Father, be with us now as we look at your word in Christ's name. We pray, amen. All right, well, good morning. You know, I like this this week. It's the beginning of the holidays, right? We get to uh, eat together, have fun together. In fact, we're going to have a family meeting tonight at 6. That everybody, kids, grandmas, grandpas, friends, come on. We're going to have a family dinner tonight and, and talk about the life of our church. And who, who here is having turkey this week? Okay, all right. What about ham? Okay, what about steak? See, there's, Troy gets me, he's having all three there. Kids, what are you guys having? (laughs) What, chicken? No, we're not having chicken. Anything but chicken. But we're going to eat and we're going to enjoy each other this week, right? This is a good week to be a family, to be the family of God. And so, let's be people that give thanks to God. We've kind of lost this in our culture. And so take this week to be thankful to God for all that he's done. Psalm 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. And we celebrate that week by week by week, that God is good to us. And let's do that as families this week. Well, we're continuing to, in Colossians this morning and we're looking at very practical ways about how do we live out our faith. You guys just went in the dark. <laughs> It's a good thing Jesus brings us from darkness to light. Um, But once he does that, he calls us to live in certain ways, right? And so we've been looking at that. Last week we looked at how we should live as husbands and wives and fathers and kids, right? And Paul's prayer for us in Colossians 1, 9, and 10 is that we would know the gospel more and that it would cause us to serve him better and that we would experience God's love more and that we would bear great fruit in our world. And so we want to do that more and more. And this week we're going to look at how should we live out our Christian faith in the workplace? (laughs) You mean really, Jesus? we got to live for you there too? Yep, yep, we do. And so turn in, if you will, in your Bible, Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 1. (coughs) And we'll look at that this morning. You know, it's kind of God's providence that as we would, I'd preach on work this week. He frustrated my work this week by having, I had the flu all week. Um, So that's been fun, but yet he calls us to work hard, and so we're going to look at that this morning. Okay, sometimes when we hear Paul's commands here to do this, do that, we can get ourselves all in a wad that we're not doing good enough, we're not measuring up to God's standards, but we got to make sure that we get the gospel in the right order, okay? 
Colossians has been showing us how great Jesus is. He is God come in human flesh. He came to destroy sin. He put all of our sins on a cross. He saved us. He has made us right with God. We're holy. There's nothing more we could do to be saved. And then he says, now that you're a believer in Jesus, let's learn to live like it, right? So we, we look at these commands and they are not about how do we make ourselves acceptable to God. Rather, it's how do we live out what God has already made us. And so we shouldn't come to these by being condemned, but rather wanting to outwardly learn to reflect the transformation that God has done inside of us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is the primary verse for that, that God has saved us. We've been saved by grace through faith. It's not of our own doing. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that any one of us could boast, yet we are Christ's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And living out your faith as a Christian at work is one of those good works. In fact, it's where you'll spend a third of your life. And Jesus says, that's mine too. So we're saved through Christ, we stand holy before him, and then our lives become a response to his grace and love, a witness. And so let's jump in this morning and look at our passage and see what Paul has to say about how to live out our faith at work. We're going to look at it in two sections. One is instructions to employees, and we'll spend most of our time here, 322 through 25, and then instructions to employers in Colossians 4.1. So let's look at instructions to employees. Now this passage in context, right, talks about primarily the relationship between bond servants and masters. And so we need to understand what does this word bond servant mean? Okay, the Greek word here is doulos, which basically means slave or servant. So we're talking about slavery, slaves to masters, masters to slaves. And we know that this can bring up a lot of misunderstandings in our mind. We think about American slavery in the 17th to the 19th century, and it can cause us a lot of misunderstanding about what Paul is talking about. But slavery in the, in the first century was varied and different. It did have all the abuses that we saw in our country, and yet on the other end, it could be a very good and life-giving thing to some people. In fact, it's estimated that a third of any city in the first century was made up of slaves, in fact, maybe as many as 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Basically, all work, think about that, all work, they say, was done by slaves. And so when Paul is addressing churches, a third of his congregation, at least one in three, maybe more, depending on where the church was, would have been made up by those that are a servant to some master somewhere. And slaves had varying level of rights from none if they had been imprisoned because of evil things they had done or conquered by war to those that then also had sold themselves into slavery because they wanted a steady job and income instead of trying to make it on their own. Some owned property, some owned other slaves, some could move about freely. It was not particularly racially motivated, and yet they were owned. Their life was bonded to another person who was then to provide for them. And so, 
I think it's safe to say that no one here today is a slave, <laughs> at least in those kind of terms. Maybe a few kids out there, do you feel like a slave when you have to clean your house? I know my kids say that to me sometimes. So if you're a slave, we can help you out with that. Please let us know, and we'll talk to your parents. Um, but many of us have been contracted to give up of our time to our work, our employer, and we've been contracted to be a servant of another. And so we can look at what Paul is saying here and derive principles about what it means to work as a Christian in this world. You ever think about that? I used to think about this when I sat in the lift shack at, at Brighton as a lifty in college that I think, you know, I'm selling my life for seven fifty an hour. These are the things you think about as a young philosopher in the lift shack when you're bored out of your mind. And I go, I've got to sell my life for more money than that. It's worth more than that to me, right? But we are bound to our employers in a way that provides security for us, income. And so we'll think about these in terms of our work. Here's what Paul is going to tell us. Christians ought to be the best employees at their jobs. The best employees. Okay? Colossians 3.22, look what it says. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. I want you to see what's happening. We talked about this last week, that God is ushering in his kingdom. He's restoring right order in creation. He has put authorities in our lives and that we are to follow and respect. Part of becoming a Christian is that you're bowing down and saying, Jesus, you're Lord and not me. And the Bible says now that you have become a bondservant of Christ. 1 Corinthians 7, 22 through 23, we are called bondservants of Christ. You were bought with a price and now Jesus owns your life. And that's a good thing. He has saved us. I want to be bonded to Jesus, and yet I owe him my life. Slaves to Christ, the Bible says. The Bible also talks about we are now slaves to righteousness instead of sin. Slaves to God himself. <coughs> and so the Bible will call us to be the best employees. <clears throat> you ever wonder what God's plan for you is at work? At work? This is it. God's plan for you at work is to get up, go to work every day, listen to your boss, do what he says, and work hard with a good attitude. That's it. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Do everything asked of you. <laughs> One commentator says we are to be faithful, hard workers, and if not, we are then in sin. Think about that. We don't often think about that in our culture. And Paul here is speaking to slaves. That's a far worse situation than what we have. <laughs> slaves are to do everything. Obviously, God hasn't called us to do illegal and immoral things, but he's asked us to do everything we can to serve our company and the, the people God has put in charge of our lives well. And he says we do it because we fear God. We're ultimately accountable to our Lord. We are bondservants to him. You ever tried to live by every policy and procedure at your work? 
This, this is the military guy's laughing and shaking his head the most. This is a really good exercise. I encourage you to do it. I did this once while I was pushing wheelchairs at the airport, Salt Lake City Airport in college. And, and God was working on my rebellious heart. And he said, you need to do everything they ask you to do. This verse was hitting me. And so I tried. And guess what? I couldn't do it. Right? It's almost impossible. But God is asking us to work at it because it sanctifies our rebellious heart. Right? It sanctifies our heart. And guess what? I had a happy boss for those couple of weeks that I really worked at that. But God not only wants us to obey, but he wants us to do it sincerely. And this is where, man, this is where it gets really hard, right? It says, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. In other words, don't just do a good job when people are looking. Do it when they're not looking. Because your real boss is watching, right? I've had this experience with my kids sometimes, right? You tell them what to do. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. And they start doing it. And guess what happens when you walk out the door? They stop doing it. Walk back in the door. Oh, I'm back to doing it, right? Paul's saying, this is not the way you obey. It's everything all the time. God is calling us to be hardworking, faithful from the heart, even when no one is looking. And listen, being obedient as a servant, right, it has a gospel shape to it. All of these passages, they've, they've had a gospel shape to it, all these instructions. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, Paul urges us, <coughs> excuse me, Paul urges us to take on the mind of Christ, right? Jesus, co-equal with God in heaven, enjoying all the things of heaven, humbled himself at the instruction of the Father and became obedient, as it says, as a servant. He came to earth to be a man and live on, out his life and die on our behalf. It says he was obedient even to the point of death to live out what his Father's instructions were for him and for our salvation. And when he was obedient, it says God exalted him. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. See, when you are obedient and you're working hard as a servant at your work, wherever God has put you, you're actually following in the footsteps of Christ. We're learning what it means to be a follower of Christ. And God wants you to do your work from your heart. Now, we may wrestle with this, particularly in the job that you're doing. Some jobs have moral complications that you say, I can't do this work for my heart. I don't, I don't believe in it. Well, maybe you shouldn't be in that line of work, right? Or others are just mind-numbing. Anybody ever had a job like that? Being in a lift shack for eight hours a day at the ski resort is mind-numbing. Um, and you just don't care, right? Brighton, I would fall asleep in the lift shack a lot. Don't tell them that. I try to find new games and ways to keep myself awake, right? But part of it began to be, I'm going to try to work at everything they told me to do. I'm going to try to be busy. Paul wants us to work with sincerity from the heart what we're doing. But that's hard. But he tells us how we can do this. Look at Colossians 3, 23 through 25. It says you can, you're going to be able to work from the heart at these things because you need to realize you're actually working for Jesus as a follower of him. Okay? Most helpful verses in my work life are these right here. 
even in my ministry now and all the jobs I've had before. God has really used these in my heart. It says this in verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Look at that first phrase. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You could literally translate this, whatever you do, work out of your soul for the Lord. And this is the depth to which Paul is calling us to work. Work out of your soul at your job as if you're working for Jesus. Not talking about being a detached production worker, just pressing the button as the widget zooms by, right? Thinking about where you want to go later, wishing to be somewhere else. So we would do our jobs with great passion from the depths of who we are. And we do it as worship, worship to Jesus. This is where this goes. We're going to come back to this idea of worship in a moment. And I think this is where we hit a cultural roadblock. This is where we find a problem. You go, well, my job's not my dream job. (laughs) It's not my passion. This is not where I want to be. Listen, there's a lot of young guys and girls out there trying to find their dream job. Okay? All of us do that from time to time in our life. It's a popular day. Talk about living out your passion, right? This is every other TV ad on on the screen, being a creative, I don't even know what that title means, finding the idyllic situation, right, where our work is like this great self-actualization. It's easy and fun and it's sexy, right, and it, it lights up our heart every day and we get paid tons of money. Sounds great. Where's that job? If you have it, let me apply, right? It's great to work at something you're passionate about. I mean, I love to do what I do here as a pastor. I love it. I'm passionate about it. Right? I do it, I do it every day of the church. It really is a joy. It's been God's good gift to me and the fruit of many years of my work life leading up to a really good season. I'm in a place that I've prayed for, I've worked towards, But I had to learn a lot from Jesus working at Subway. I am a sandwich artist, by the way. Thank you. Bussing tables at a steakhouse. Washing dishes at Red Lobster. That's nasty. You don't want to do that. Working on a construction site as a a construction manager. Listen, those weren't my passions. But God said, you do them heartily for me. Let's step back into our job at McDonald's kitchen trying to get the ice machine going again, right? Where you got an upset mom and three kids breathing down your neck, and you go, I hate this. (laughs) This is not my passion. No, it's no one's passion, right? I got to get out of here. And so you quit, you live with friends or mom and dad until you try to find that dream job. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Paul's saying this is not the way of a follower of Jesus to constantly chase a dream and not work hard. 
Proverbs 12, 11, the NLT, it says this, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasy has no sense. <laughs> Faithful followers of Jesus work. Proverbs 14, 23, in all toil there's profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. And I'm sure there was many slaves that Paul was talking to that could say, these things are not my passion, master. <laughs> and they had no option to quit. So here's the path forward, I think, to being a faithful follower of Jesus at work. Again, that first phrase, whatever you do, right? I want to say a few things about that, the Bible's view on work. Whatever you do implies you are doing, okay? The Bible teaches we are made to work. Humans were created by God to do work, okay? It brings us joy when we are doing it with God. Colossians 2.15 talks about God created man. He put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. And he made Eve to be his helper. Man's first job being a gardener, right? Adam, head gardener. Eve, assistant gardener, right? Created to work and enjoy God as they did their work. Work was a part of God's original plan for us, that we would be fruitful, it would be fun, and that we would know more about God and enjoy Him as we did it. In fact, that's where we're going. When we go to heaven, it's not just the sweet by and by in the rocking chair. God's got things for us to do, and they will be fruitful, they will be fun, and we will learn more about God as we do them. They will bring joy to our soul. But guess what? Because of our sin, work got real crappy. Sorry, I said crappy. Our work got frustrated. The fields have weeds in them. We get frustrated and depressed. And we got to do a lot of things to provide for ourselves that God used to just give us in the garden. Work becomes hard. As Pastor Kevin says a lot, the hard thing about work is it's work, right? To teach our boys this all the time. They dream up lots of things to make money and they get started. And they're like, man, this is hard. Yeah, it's work. I read an article this week that we have the least number of men in their prime working ages, in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, working since the Great Depression. This is crazy. It says almost 14% of that demographic, and that's a lot of people, are jobless. Not because there aren't any jobs. I mean, we all know this. Go anywhere and any of us could get a job, right? There's signs everywhere. They just don't want to work. Exchange work for video games, recreation, leisure. They got more sweatpants in the closet than anything else. No ambition, no desire. Depend on mom and dad. Depend on friends. Depend on the government. Whatever it takes to get by. Listen, depending on other people... Is sinful. That's not the way of a believer in Jesus. And many wonder why life isn't so great, struggle of depression, and why they can't get a date. <laughs> God's will for us as women and men that follow Jesus is to work and to find joy in it as we do it for Him as worship. 2 Thessalonians 3 10 through 12, always one of my favorites, says, Anyone is not willing to work, well, then let him not eat. <laughs> Encourage these folks, he says, in Jesus to work and earn their own living. It's good for us. 
And you can find joy in any job and find satisfaction if you do it for Christ. Now, here, here's the secret to getting to where you want to be in work. The best way to get to where you want to be in your job is to show up to your job day after day after day after day, and you pray like crazy that Jesus does something cool. Listen, there has almost been no day easier to be a good employee. This, this is comical to me. If you will just show up these days, employers will be overjoyed and they will pay you. <laughs> That's never been true in the history of my working career. We used to have to look for jobs and actually work pretty hard. Now they just want you to show up. But God's not just calling us to the minimum. As Christians, we should be the best employees they have. Working hard, out of your soul, because you know what? That you're actually working for Jesus. Chick-fil-A's got it right here. I don't know why they did this, but they've got it right here. They encapsulate Paul's teaching in this cheeky way. Right when that person behind the counter says, my pleasure, and you go, yeah, it's not your pleasure, right? When they say my pleasure, that's what Paul's getting at, that we would work from our heart and soul because we know we're working for Jesus. It's not the guy with the manager tag on that you're working for. It's the one you've become the bondservant in in Christ. doesn't matter what job you have, whatever you do, it said, be invested in it and do it as an employee of Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that faithfulness in the little things leads to great things. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, Jesus tells the parable of the talents. And time after time in there, he says, look, it's the faithful one who is faithful of a little that I'm going to give much. And you'll be surprised if you'll be faithful in your job, even though it's not your favorite, whatever it is at Taco Bell or building the state capitol. God says, if you will do that, you just see where I take you. You see what I do for you. I will reward you with much. And we can do it happily because we know we're looking for Jesus. Let's return to this idea of worship for a second. What Paul's teaching us is that your work life, whatever you do, is meant to be worship. This is what we have on our discipleship wheel right here. A risen life is a life of worship. That's everything. That's family. That's church. That's, that's recreating. That's going to work. Romans 12.1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Every aspect of your life is meant to be lived in a way that brings glory to God. Faithful hard work glorifies God because it reflects the obedience of the Son to the Father. Think about that. Not only that, faithful hard work glorifies God because it benefits our city and it benefits our world and it benefits those around us. Listen, what a blessing it is to have sanitation and sewer workers that keep our city clean. Thank God. If you've been somewhere where that, that doesn't happen, it's a blessing. And those people are a blessing when they do their jobs well. What a blessing to have healthcare workers that provide avenues of healing. What a blessing to have construction workers that bring order to a, the chaos of a building site so we can have nice places to meet and to live and to gather together. What a blessing to have those that work in the arts and reflect creative abilities 
to the world. They, they reflect something of the mind of God. God has blessed them with great talents. We've had season tickets to the symphony for many, many years, and we just love to go. It's like a spiritual experience for me because I look at those talented people, and it screams of who God is. That's a blessing when they do their jobs well, just like when our worship team does their jobs well. And those that work in education, right, that, that extend knowledge to us, man, what a blessing when they do their jobs well. Those that work in science, each of these fields, all these fields worked at with Christ in mind can be an, ad, an, ad, an avenue to proclaim who God is and to show people what it's like to follow him. There is glory to be given to God in all of our hard work. 1 Corinthians 10.31 sums that all together. It says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all of it to God's glory. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. And listen, working for Jesus is fun. This really, this has been the one thing that has changed my work life when I finally got this kind of probably mid to post-college, I finally realized it doesn't matter what I'm doing, right? I, I can do this with Jesus. And Jesus can bring me joy in the task. Whatever the task is, it doesn't matter. And he can give me satisfaction in the task. And I know that others will see me and my joy and the way I do my work, and it proclaims Jesus to them. It's a fun thing. You know, I drive, every time I drive, I used to work for Oakland Construction and built the IHC hospital out there over many years. <coughs> and every time I drive by the hospital, I point this out to my kids, right? Hey, you see that building over there? And they said, yeah, we know, Dad. You built it. I get it, right? But it brings joy to my soul that I know that I went and did the work there with all that I am. And God blessed it. And because of that, that place blesses other people. Right. It's a great thing to do our jobs well with Jesus. You know, this week the staff did some work in the building. We cleared out this storage room, did some other things, working pretty hard. I got sick halfway through, so really I kind of ejected from all the hard work. Um, but we did great things, and even menial, dirty jobs can be good things when they're given to Jesus. Right? These are being good stewards of what God has given us. So Jesus wants us to work for him. And get this, the way you work is meant to proclaim the gospel. Two things here. Titus 2, 9 and 10 says, Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. Get this, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Okay? 1 Timothy 6.1 says something similar. And then it says, do your work so the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Saying the way you work will show what you believe about the gospel. People will find Jesus or they will be turned off by the way that we work. It's meant to proclaim what we think about who God is. In fact, for many of us, our work is our top venue for evangelism. Beyond your family, your co-workers are the people you will spend the most time with in your life. And they know you the best. They know your character. 
And the way you work and conduct yourself there speaks volumes about what you believe about your Lord and Savior Christ. Finally here it says this, when we work for Jesus, we can rest in the fact that it is God that ultimately rewards and punishes. It says this, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. You might be thinking, you know, I don't want to put my heart and soul in the work because I will get taken advantage of. You know what the answer to that is? Yes. Yep, you'll be taken advantage of. Absolutely. When you put in the hard work, you'll be taken advantage of. And you know who was too? Jesus. Jesus was taken advantage of too. We live in a fallen world. People are out for their own gain. And they will step on anyone they can to get ahead. And they'll step on you even when you're doing the right thing. But Paul's telling us, look, ultimately Christ is your boss. Christ is the one who holds all rewards in his hands. He sees how you work hard. He takes note. And because you love him, you have a great inheritance waiting for you in heaven. It is not in vain. And what I've also seen is that God also rewards us even here and now. You may endure pain for a time, but God will reward the hard work that you put in. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Right? What I've seen is our faithfulness will ultimately be rewarded by God. Furthermore, he's telling us, Jesus is our boss. He sees all the wrongs committed against you at work when you are underpaid when you're treated poorly, when you're not shown grace, when you're fired over things you didn't do, Jesus says, I see that, and don't you worry, one day I'm going to make it right. First Peter 2, 18-25 tells us that when we suffer wrong for doing good, this is a gracious thing in God's eyes because now you're learning to live like Jesus. And God is teaching us what it means to be a follower as that happens to us even in our workplace. So don't lose hope because God is the one who rewards and he is the one who sees wrongs committed and he will make them right. So that's what Paul has to say to employees. Now we're going to hit employers just quickly here at the end. <coughs> Colossians 4.1 Masters, likewise, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. As of all these admonitions to wives and husbands, children and fathers, now slaves and masters, Paul moves from the lighter command to the heavier. And same here as he addresses masters. Paul is saying this morning, if you are in the place of managing employees, and many of you are, you should entreat your employees justly and fairly. Okay, That we should do that because we know that we also have a master in heaven. You are a man under authority just as your employees are. A couple of things we can note about how to be a good boss. Number one, treat others as the way you want to be treated. That's the biggest thing. Every boss was an employee at some time. Most managers still have other levels of authority above them. And you know what it's like to have to work for somebody. So remember what it was like. And don't get in that position and say, well, now I'm going to cram it down everybody's throat because they did that to me. No, treat people the way you want to be treated. Really, this is the golden rule right at play, Matthew 7, 12. 
Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Love your neighbor, right? Compensate your employees for good performance. Give them adequate time off for rest and vacation and family. Make the workplace a place they want to be. Give your employees the tools they need to do your job well. Everybody not had the tools they need before? That's a terrible place to be. Be compassionate when family and personal issues are pressing on employees. Show them grace when they fail. Love your employees with the love God has shown you. And this is another way we can be good bosses. Treat your, the way you treat your people will teach them what God is like. Think about this. Much like dads to children. You know, there's a big movement a couple of years ago about servant leadership. You may have read the book, Lead Like Jesus by Ken Blanchard. It kind of swept through the business world that Jesus is the greatest leader, and it talks about all his servant leadership, and it's all true, right? But it's talking about the fact that Jesus laid down, as, as the ruler of the universe, laid down his life for those that follow him. Just as dads are called to be pastors of the home, God has put you in place as an employer and a boss to the be the pastor of those people that work for you. I was talking with one of our elders, one of our elders meeting, and he remarked how naturally, as the boss at his uh, company, he becomes the shepherd of his employees at work and in their personal lives. This is, this is what God does. He puts us in these places. And the way we shepherd our people as an employer will teach them about the way God shepherds us. So lay down your life for your people. It's what God is calling us to do. This is what Jesus did for us. And band, you can come on up. We are bond servants of Christ, and yet he laid down his life for us while we were sinners. Employers, God has given you an important position in the world to show Jesus to others unlike many. When they ask you why you do the things you do, you share the gospel with the people that are around you. This is why I do it this way, because Jesus loved me. I love you this way, and I take care of you because Jesus did the same thing for me. I'm gracious to you when you fail because Jesus was gracious to me. (coughs) So Paul wants us as Christians to be the best employees at our workplace, to reflect to the world what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Paul wants employers to show the world the the love and grace of God, what it's like. As Christians, our work is ultimately meant to be done as worship to Christ. Jesus is who we work for. Jesus is to be worshipped by our work. And Jesus will reward us for a job well done. I think we should take a few minutes this morning just to respond to God as we think about our work. Maybe you need to repent of your attitude you've had at work. Made it about you and not about Jesus. Maybe you've been rebellious at work, not wanting to do what they've asked you to do. Ask God to forgive you and give you the strength to live faithfully as a believer at work. Maybe you just really have avoided work. Been lazy, not looking for a job. Ask God to forgive you and ask for a pathway forward to provide an opportunity that would get you in the right place. Maybe you have a difficult boss 
worked in pride and not cared well for those around him. Ask God to give you the strength to work. Let's ask God this. Psalm 90.17 says this. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that challenges us. And God, thank you for your son that died for us. That because of his work on the cross, we are free to have to work before you. You've accepted us freely by your grace, and now we give you our lives. Help us to worship you even in the workplace, Father. In Christ's name we pray, amen.